0: Hi, man. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, and this is episode 14 of the Beatitudes Eight Ways to Be an Awesome Dad. And we are beginning a new Beatitude today, which is Blessed are the dads who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And as with each of our reflections on each of the Beatitudes, we are breaking this one up into three parts. The first is what this Beatitude says about our relationship to our Father. Uh, and how we relate to our heavenly Father as uh, a son of God. Secondly, we'll in the next beat attitude episode we'll talk about how this beat attitude relates to our relationship with our wife, and then finally in our relationship with our kids. But as with all the beat attitudes, they have to order our relationship between us and our heavenly Father first, so that we can give what we what we have. Right? You can't. As the saying goes, you can't give what you don't have and so if our relationship with our heavenly father is disordered then we can't have a healthy relationship with our wife and especially with our kids um so let's talk about what this beatitude of merc blessed are the dads who are merciful for they will be shown mercy how that orders our relationship with our heavenly father so first let's talk about what mercy is um you know we don't often really reflect on what the definition of it is we, we i think we naturally tend to think that being merciful means having pity on someone or letting them off the hook for something. But it doesn't really mean either of those things. Um, if you look at the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, um, this will, that'll, those will give you a, a good working definition of what mercy actually means. So let's, let's take a quick look. All right. So the corporal works of mercy, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, bury the dead. The spiritual works of mercy include things like instructing the ignorant, counseling the doubtful, admonishing sinners, bearing wrongs patiently, forgiving offenses willingly, comforting the afflicted, and praying for the living and the dead. Now, what do all those things have in common? Because if we can identify what those things have in common, that will tell us what they have to do with mercy and what the definition of mercy actually is. What could, what could um, you know, feeding the hungry and uh, counseling the doubtful have to do with mercy? What could admonishing the sinner and bearing wrongs patiently have to do with mercy? You know, clearly, it's not having pity on people or um, letting them off the hook for things. So what, what do all those things, things have in common? What they have in common is that each of those way, things is a way that we can remind others of their dignity as sons and daughters of God. You know, we clothe the naked, not because we have a particular interest in social work, but because in order to feel like you are a beloved son or daughter of God, you have to have appropriate clothing. You know, we, we feed the hungry because in, in order to know that you are a beloved son or daughter of God, you, you have to know where your next meal is coming from. You know, we admonish the sinner because sometimes we forget who we are. And we forget that we are better than how we're acting. And we need someone to remind us that, hey, we're better than that. And sometimes we bear wrongs patiently because, you know, if, if I just give that person a little bit of space, they're the sort of person who will remember who they are in the eyes of God and they'll, they'll, they'll self-correct. And I don't need to pile on injury on the top of insult, right? So all of these things, these spiritual and corporal works of mercy, point to an operational definition of mercy that is any action— that we take that reminds somebody of their dignity and worth as a son or daughter of God. That is what mercy ultimately is. It's not having pity on people. It's not letting people off the hook. It's reminding them through our words and actions of their dignity as a son or daughter of the most high God. Now, what does that have to do with our relationship to our heavenly father? I think it has a lot to do with, with our approach to change. And I talk about this in more detail in the book, but when it comes to us recognizing how far we fall, how often we don't act in a way that is reflective of our dignity as a, as a beloved son of God, um, we can be consumed with guilt and regret, um, self deprecation, self flagellation. Um, and I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't feel badly about that or or that we shouldn't want to change. Of course we should. But there's a way to approach that change. There's a way to respond to what God the Father is trying to do in our lives as his beloved sons um, that actually enables us to cooperate with grace and make those changes and stop getting in our own way. And this process, you know, translates then into how we Approach our spouse, our wife uh, about the changes that we'd like to see in our in our marriage or in her life or our children, and the changes we'd like to see in their life. You know because we are often so hard on ourselves, we're often entirely too hard on our spouse or kids, or because we don't want to be hard on others like maybe our own parents were hard on us. we don't step up and remind our wife or our kids what they're worth in God's eyes or how to behave in a manner that's reflective of their dignity as sons and daughters of God. Um, because we don't know how to do that ourselves. All right. And so the most important thing we can do in this beat attitude of blessed are the merciful, merciful for the mercy shall be theirs, um, is uh, learning to approach the way God, the father is asking us, his beloved sons to change. So when we confront a limitation or a flaw or a sin um, or any other failing in our lives. Any other time we, we don't act in a manner that's reflective of God's call to be those beloved sons. Um, the best way to respond to it is through something going we use the acronym coal, C O A L. Now this was developed by um, a psychiatrist, Dr. Dan Siegel at uh, UCLA. And, um, and I'll come around to why this is spiritually important in a second. But, but he studies how brain physiology uh, cooperates with the process of change. And what he discovered was that when we are under attack, either that's because someone else is criticizing or attacking us or because we are criticizing or attacking ourselves, the brain produces chemicals that inhibit neuroplasticity. Now, neuroplasticity is the ability for the brain to rewire itself. It's how we learn things. In order for us to learn any new thing, new brain connections need to be made. Neurons actually grow. And when they grow together to touch on other neurons, that's how learning happens because this part of my brain is now connected in new ways to this part of my brain because of neuroplasticity. Well, that requires a certain conditions to exist in my body um, where it's where my brain feels safe to produce the chemicals that allow good neural growth so those neurons can learn to wire together. Um, and when those neurons wire together in new ways, that's how I learn new things and make changes. Actually, that's why it's so hard to make change because mental change um, and emotional change is very much like physical change. You know, I, I can't go over there and lift that 400-pound weight the first time I try to lift it because I don't have the muscles for it. I have to build up the muscle mass to be able to lift that weight. Well, in the same way, if I'm struggling to make a particular change, it's not because I'm an idiot, it's not because I'm a jerk, it's not because I'm a bad person, it's because my neurons aren't connected that way. My neural network isn't wired to support that particular change. And I need to be able to make neurological change, allow those neurons to grow together in ways that create a new neural network that facilitate both that learning and that emotional or behavioral change in my life. So, again, going back to Dan Siegel's work, um, if I am attacking myself through that whole process, if I'm beating up on myself, if I'm shaming myself, I'm creating a neurochemical environment that prevents brain growth. And if I, if I'm preventing brain growth and my neurons aren't growing together and creating new neural networks, which is, which is inhibiting my ability to change and actually getting in my own way. So, you know, man, most of the way we've learned how to grow and change is actually, um, contrary to our ability to grow and change. We, we get yelled at, we get shamed, we get, you know, we, we, uh, we get run down and called names and beaten up on in, in the hopes that we can force change to happen and some change does happen that way but it's a much more painful process right it, it 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 and often we end up rebelling against it so the only way to facilitate real change in our lives is through this coal process which i'll explain the the uh, uh, acronym in just a minute and this this process of coal coal uh stands for curiosity openness acceptance and love i'll go through each step in here in a second um this process allows us to cooperate more effectively with God's grace and make change possible in our lives. And it is a merciful way of creating change because it's it's changing in a way that acknowledges our dignity as beloved sons of God. Now, how does this, what does that have to do with theology? Well, St. John Paul's theology of the body, in a sense, reminds us that biology is theology. You know, the way God created us to operate is the way he wants us to operate. So if when we study the body, we learn that that the best change happens when we are gentle and loving with ourselves, then God wants us to face change in ways that are gentle and loving. He doesn't want us to beat ourselves up, to flog ourselves, to shame ourselves. He wants us to be loving to ourselves so that that we can experience change from the inside out. And this whole process of curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love allows us to change much more efficiently in a manner that respects our beloved, our dignity as beloved sons of God, in a manner that's merciful, right? Because again, any action that reminds another person of their dignity as a son or daughter of God is what mercy is. So this is a, a merciful approach to change. So let's take apart this, this acronym, COLE. C, curiosity, as, as opposed to condemning myself. I look at the thing that the limitation, the sin, the struggle that I'm facing, and and instead of beating up on myself, I'm going to say, I'm trying to do something. You know, my mind behind this behind this flawed behavior, this emotion that I'm ashamed of, this action that I struggle with or, or don't feel good about, is an attempt to meet a need or a positive intention. I'm trying to do something good. I don't know what it is necessarily, but I'm but but there's a positive intention or need behind this inappropriate sinful, inexcusable behavior or limitation. I wonder what it is. That's curiosity. I'm not going to shame myself for it. I'm not going to beat myself up for it. I'm going to ask, what am I trying to do? What is what is my attempt? Now, that doesn't excuse the behavior. That doesn't let me off the hook for changing. It just says there's something good that I'm trying to accomplish, and maybe there's a better way to do it. But if I just shame myself for it, there's no better way to do anything. I just have to stop being an idiot. I have to just stop being a jerk, Right and and that's not going to happen overnight. The only way I can become who God creates me to be is by allowing myself to to realize that I'm trying to do something good and God wants to teach me how to do it better. Curiosity opens the door to that possibility. Openness is where I am able to say to myself, you know, so I'm doing this thing for some positive intention, right? Or or some need. Um and I'm going to allow myself the permission that I need to 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 acknowledge that there's this good intention. All right, so I yelled at my kids. And I feel really bad about yelling at my kids. Instead of beating up on myself for it, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm there's something good I'm trying to do here. What is it that I was trying to do? Well, I am I'm, I'm concerned for them. I want to correct them. I want to I want them to be good people. All right, so there's a there's a good intention there. Now, what we'll often do is say, nah, that can't be the reason. The real reason is that I'm a jerk, the real reason that I have no control over my emotions, the real reason is that I and there may be even a grain of truth in some of that, but it's not, it's not helpful to go down that road. Openness, the second uh, word in this acronym, COLE, helps me to, to, to give myself permission to acknowledge that there is a, a positive intention or need behind even the most sinful and offensive behaviors. And again, that's not letting me off the hook, that's giving me a new way to approach those things by saying, look, if I'm trying to do something good, and I'm doing it in a way that's bad, maybe there's a better way to achieve that goal. So that leads to A, acceptance. And acceptance is not giving permission. It's not where I say, oh, well, I was trying to do something good, so therefore I'm letting myself off the hook, no. Acceptance says, yes, I was trying to do something, um, and, and that is a good thing that I was trying to do. But there are better ways to do it, and I, I accept that I had a good intention, and I accept that there are better ways to accomplish that intention. So curiosity allows me to ask, what was I trying to do? Openness makes me open to the possibility that, yeah, well, you know, I was there was a positive intention or need. Acceptance allows me to accept that positive intention or need, and accept that there's a better way to do it. Then love, the last word in the acronym which is working for the good of another person or working for my own good. If I love myself, I'm working for my ultimate good. That has me identify what other ways could I meet this need or intention. So I realized, okay, so I yelled at my kids. Why did I do that? Well, because I want them to be good people. Well, and, and, and so the next step openness, I accept that. Yes, there, there's that positive intention there um, that I want them to be good people and that, that, that I'm not going to beat up on myself for that. I'm going to be open to the fact that God is trying to do something good through this bad behavior. Um, I just need to do a better job with it. A acceptance. What's my intention? Well, I want them to be better people. So I accept that that was a good intention, but I also accept that there are better ways to do it and love. I'm going to look for ways, better ways to meet that need or intention. And so now I identify healthier ways to correct my kids and support them in being successful using, for example, discipleship discipline, which St. John Pascoe uh, called the preventative system uh, that relied on reason, religion, and loving kindness. Now, it might take some work to figure out exactly how to do this, but in, you know, moving forward, instead of yelling, instead of just giving in to my, my reactions I'm going to find ways that are rooted in reason, religion, and loving kindness to correct and support my kids in developing good character and virtue and behavioral change. I'm going to show them the mercy that I see the Heavenly Father showing me because taking this coal approach of curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love, I see that it's possible to, ex- to work with God's grace and make change in myself in merciful ways that then allow me to extend that mercy to my wife and to my children. So this approach of coal Allows us to have a properly ordered relationship with our heavenly father's call to change. We're all called to be saints. We're all called to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect, but we can't get there by flogging ourselves to perfection. We have to get there by letting God's love transform us from the inside out. And by, being curious about the positive intentions behind our sinful and uh, destructive and unhealthy behaviors by being open to the possibility that God is doing something deeper in our lives by accepting that there is that positive intention or need and that there's a better way to do it. And then by seeking that better way to do it, by loving ourselves, then, then we're able to remind ourselves that we are beloved sons of God, even in our brokenness. And we can extend that mercy then to our wife and to our children. We'll talk more about the relationship with our wife and our kids in future episodes of The Beatitudes, but if you've got questions about how to extend or experience God's mercy in your life more, and to use this COAL, COAL approach, post those questions in the Home Builder Forum. It's open to all premium members of Catholic Home, and we'd love to have your questions there. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Be